enjoy the song service? I did. I really, truly did. Do you feel like you worship God? As you thought of the words you're singing, you realize that he did that for me. He did that for me. You know, sometimes we get to thinking of ourselves maybe just a little bit better than we ought. That's scriptural. Well, I'm here to remind me and you that we are, are and we're very unlovely. And yet, God reached down and loved us when no one else would. I mean, to stop and think about it, perhaps you have an opportunity as you're out walking and you might see a, a homeless person, just filthy. They've, you've known they've not bathed probably in months. They stink, but they're lying there and they're in need. And perhaps you have compassion on them. That's just maybe that much of what God did for us. Well, take your Bibles, open to the book of Acts. Book of Acts, chapter 1. Got good news on two points this morning. I've only got four pages of notes, which we know and Rick knows means absolutely nothing. But in theory, it should be a relatively quick message. If you'll listen quickly and listen hard, we'll get done. Now, I had two points. What was the second point? I don't know, maybe I'll just make something up. You get out here and eat. I think it was something else I was going to say. At any rate, so we're in the book of Acts. We're in the book of Acts. We're in chapter 1. Oh, the second good news is we're going to finish the first chapter today. <laughs> That's it. And it only took us 11 lessons to do so. That's pretty good. That's what, 26 verses, 11. Quick, figure that out. That's 2.1. At any rate, like 2.4 or 5. At any rate, uh, verses per lesson. Uh, but we're taking a slow walk through the book of Acts. We're trying to learn from the writer there what it means to be a New Testament church. We want to know, we want to make sure and certain that we're following the apostles' doctrine. Folks, there's a lot of churches meeting here this morning around across town, and they've taken, they, they've taken the basic message of God and somehow they've just remanufactured it and they've created something that was not intended to be. We want to be a true New Testament church. I don't want us to have to come up with ways to manufacture excitement. I want us to learn to be excited because we know that Jesus Christ lives in my heart. The Holy Spirit indwells my body. And because of that, I have everything to be thankful for. I have no reason to be sad. Why? Because my hope is in him. And so we want to learn this. The Bible tells us in Romans 15:4. if you're ready to quote it with me. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Folk, when we leave this building, we should be reminded of the hope that lies within us. The hope that we have in God. The hope that's given to us in the word of God. The church, the early church also I want to make mention this morning and point out they were all with of one accord. And they were all fully assured that they would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that God, Jesus had promised them. Well, this morning we're going to be in Acts chapter 1, verse 21. So let's read the text this morning. It says, wherefore, verse 21, of, wherefore of these men which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, 
Beginning from the baptism of John unto that same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. And they appointed two, Joseph called Barsabbas, and uh, who was surnamed Justice and Matthias. Okay, they're at the point where they're, Peter is directing them and they're looking to elect and select a new apostle to fill the place of Judas. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men. Oh, my. Stop and dwell on that phrase. The Lord knows the heart of all men. The Lord knows my heart this morning. Where's your heart at? Show whether of these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship, from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. I'm going to pray, folks. I'm praying to God. As I pray, you pray as well. Father, we ask that you'd have will and way in our heart and life this morning for at least just these few minutes. God, we need to hear from you. We're so thankful for the salvation you provided us. We cannot praise and worship you enough, but God, we need you. So, Father, I pray that you teach us. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. I just want to make note again that as we go through this, and as we've been going through this passage in chapter 1, that throughout it you see leadership, you see order, you see unity. Uh, why? There's an autonomous church. And that's the way a church is supposed to be. It's supposed to be run with order. You have leadership, and we have things we discuss, we come together, but we're all united. You know, we, all go, we can all go out to... Uh, Oh, if they were serving, I don't know, are they, do they have the buffets open now? Yeah, they do. Golden Corral's open. I thought I saw that. And you can go to the Golden Corral, and you start down that line, you look all that good food, but if you're like me, you go, ooh, this looks, no, not that one, not that one, not that one. I'll take that. Well, give me some more meat, you know, uh, and that's what I'll do. But uh, we, we, we could go, go to that and have something to eat. We don't all have to eat the same thing, but we can all be united in that we're eating together. Amen? Kind of similarly here in the church body. I mean, we don't all have to like the same things, but we need to be united. It is necessary. Well, let's take a look here. There was a quest. <clears throat> they had a quest. What's a quest? A quest is a long or arduous search for something. That's a quest. It's a long or arduous quest search for something. They were looking for a replacement. Judas had betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ with a kiss, was paid 30 pieces of silver, realized what he had done. He threw him back at the priest's feet, went out and hanged himself, thought he would just hang himself by the net and kill himself. And yet he went headlong and his Bible says his bowels gushed out. But they were looking for a replacement. It was a sifting process. It was a sifting process. You know, there were so many disciples with Jesus. We know of the 12, but there were so many others. You know, in the upper room, there were women there too, but there were 120 in total. There were a lot of disciples. A lot of disciples have been around Jesus. 
kind of hanging around, following him. You know, maybe not in the limelight. Not loud ones like Peter that say things and they always, you can always pick Peter out. Oh, there's Peter, there's Peter, there's Peter. I hear Peter, you know. But there are other good people there. Maybe not as boisterous and charismatic. But they were serving and they loved the Lord Jesus Christ just as much. You know, it's interesting to note here that many people differ in their thinking here. This is where you get real... Uh, uh, the theologians. Uh, I love the Word of God. I don't consider myself that much of a theologian. But you have those minds that say, well, they should have done this or they shouldn't have done this. There's a discussion whether they should have chosen an apostle or whether they should have just waited for God. There may, the thinking might have been, well, you know, we're going to have we have the promise of the Holy Spirit coming and we need to be a full group as we go into it. Who knows? Who knows? Whatever they did, uh, whatever they you know, decided, that's what they did. They chose. Others claimed that the action taken by the apostles was correct, that they cast the lots, and it was the uh, last time they used casting a lots here in the, the Bible, uh, that, and they, the lot fell on Matthias. And Peter, when he was talking, kind of took charge of this thing, he underlined three pivotal points of the public ministry of the Lord. He talked about his baptism talked about his resurrection. He talked about his ascension. Remember, we saw those things. His baptism. It was at his baptism that the Lord Jesus publicly identified himself with his people. With his people. That he had come to save. For he had come to seek and to save that which was lost, the Bible tells us. And it was through his baptism that John realized exactly who Jesus was. Turn with me to the book of John chapter 1. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Have you got it? I think we'll have to go back and have an old-fashioned sword drill one of these days. Maybe do it with phones. That would be different, right? Okay. John chapter 1, verse 31, it says, And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel, therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode on him, and I knew him not. But he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, upon whom thou shalt see the spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptized with the Holy Ghost. And I saw, and I bear record, that this is the Son of God. Amen. It was a testimony of John and his subsequent pointing out of Jesus as Messiah that Andrew came to Christ. And through Andrew, Peter dropped down just a few verses. Verse 35. Verse 35, it says, Again, the next day after John stood and his two disciples and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They say unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard 
John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon's brother Peter. He findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. That's what we should be doing. Bringing people to Jesus. I'm not a preacher. You still should be bringing people to Jesus. I'm not a deacon. I'm not a teacher. You still should be bringing people to Jesus. Pointing them to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. We should be pointing people to Jesus. His resurrection. It was because of his resurrections that the disciples had their doubts and their difficulties dissolved. Think about it. Here, Christ had been crucified. They'd watched him die on the cross. I know he's dead. How many have ever seen somebody that was dead? I think we all have. There, there's no life in him. And they're going to bury him. But when he rose from the grave and showed them many of those many unfallible proofs, oh my, it took those problems away. It allowed them to begin to follow him. And, and as he left this earth and as they walked to the end of their life, they would follow him through flood and through fire. And they'd follow him to the ends of the earth and most of them faced a martyr's death. The resurrection became the key to all their preaching. That's why you have preaching today. Because of the resurrection. If we didn't have the resurrection, there'd be nothing to preach about. And then his ascension. His ascension. It was by the means of his ascension that the Lord Jesus could take his place on the throne and high, there to minister as the great high priest for all of his own. That's you and me. Peter believed that whoever took the place of Judas should be a man who had a, an intimate personal knowledge of Jesus Christ from the beginning to the end. You see, during that public ministry, as I mentioned, there were more than just 12. There were many. There were many. Not only was it a sifting process, but there was a, a serious problem. Look at verse 23 back in our text. It says, and they appointed two, Joseph called Bersabbas, Bersabbas, or Bersabbas, whoever, and who was surnamed Justice and Matthias. Now they had the sifting process, but they had the criteria that was laid out by Peter. See that leadership? Peter laid it out. This is how we're going to do it. We're going to work through this. You know, kind of like the old March Madness. You know, it's a bad illustration, but you have March Madness. You have the 64 teams, right? And they start, they play, and they have these brackets. Who's going to come down? Who's it going to come down to? And some people like to try to guess who it's going to be. And it comes down to these two teams. Well, it came down to those two apostles. What are you going to do now? But it was done orderly. It was done orderly. But now they had a serious impasse. Which of the two men should replace Judas. You know, we know nothing about these two men beyond their names. Do you realize that? Do you realize that? Versabas, Matthias. And, and, and the other ones that were up in the running, 
that were being considered before it came down to these two. We don't know if these men were married, if they had children, and if so, how many children they had. We don't know where they made their home. Uh, we don't know what their particular talent was. We don't know much about them. In fact, we don't know a whole lot about the disciples and the apostles even. Uh, oh, we know Peter. We know James. We know that Matthew, Thomas, and Philip, and Andrew have a mention, a comment to, but we don't know much. We know far more about the Apostle Paul than we do all of these. But you know what they did? They served their God to the end of their life, and then they died. That's what I want to do. I want to serve my God to the end of my life, and then go home, and then go home. It was a sifting process. Now there is a quandary. Look at verses 24 and 20 through 26. It says, And they prayed and said, Thou Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show which of these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. You know, far too often we make our own plans, don't we? We make our own plans. We decide what we're going to do with our life, a big decision. We're going to go this way, or we're going to go that way, or I'm going to take this job. And then God and his church are kind of an afterthought. I'll find something when I get there. I don't think it should be that way. We pursue these ideas and our plans to the best of our knowledge and our ability. And then we run into a quandary, a quandary. A quandary is a state perplexity, I'll get it, a perplexity or uncertainty over what to do in a difficult situation. Sometimes if you're following the Lord Jesus Christ, you will come into a difficult situation and you don't want to, you do not know what to do. What do you do? You pray. You fall on your face and ask God, give me direction. Help me to know what to do in this particular situation. But far too often we get ourselves in that situation because of our own thoughts and ideas. They were perplexed. They were perplexed. We painted ourselves into a corner. How can I do that? You know, you think, you think sometimes, oh, I would never paint myself into a corner. But I, I saw a video the other day. This guy was replacing a board on the deck. Have you, how many have seen that video? He was, he was replacing a board on the deck, and he brought the board and he set it down on the deck. And he did the dumbest thing. He went and he, he stepped on the plank and the plank came up and hit him in the face. He went down immediately. I mean, folks, we're like sheep. We're kind of dumb. <laughs> I say that with love in my heart. We're kind of dumb. So, I don't know. Is this what's happened to Peter and the disciples? I don't know. The apostles? I do know this, that back in verse 14... It says, they continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. All along the way, sometimes as a church, we come into a situation where we go, my, uh, I don't know, this is kind of a bad place to do, be. And you know, it, it's okay to recognize that, but what you've got to fight against and war against is that, well, I've got a better plan. I think this would be the better way to go. We must be united. We must all continue in unity with prayer and supplication. 
Whatever the actions had brought them to this place, only God knew the hearts of the two men. Only God knew the hearts of the two men. I mean, as best they could, these apostles were trying to read these men from the outside. But God knew the hearts. God knew the hearts. And the disciples prayed. Again, it shows their unity. Wednesday nights, right back here. Right back here. We meet and we pray. We did that because we wanted to take more time to pray. When you get, try to give prayer its proper place. Prayer is so crucial. It's so important. I mentioned it's how we should start our day. How we should start our day. I'm going to mess it up, but John Bunyan said something about prayer. If we don't start it the first day, how that when we come to the end of the day, we will not be able to find God. We need to incorporate him, incorporate him, him into our activities. No higher office had ever been held than an apostle. Than an apostle. It was the task of the apostles to write, to write the greater part of the New Testament. A lot of the things that we talk about. We're in, we're in 1 Corinthians tonight. The apostle wrote that. We're learning different things. It was the work of an apostle to lay the foundation of the church and guide it upon its proper path. That's what I was talking about. We need to make sure that when you leave this church and go somewhere else, God's called you somewhere else, that you're able to find a church that's based upon the principle and the foundation of God's word, what the apostles were part of. You know, these men were troubled by what Judas had done. Can you imagine? Can you ima have you ever been around people? You try to be a witness and testimony to them, and somebody else maybe was as well, and then that individual that was worth you trying to help has left the ways of God, and now they're in sin. Can you imagine the shame as they went, and they tried to witness someone? Yeah, I know you. Yeah, Judas was one of you. Judas was one of you. And yet they went ahead and went on. They continued on. Interesting to note, Jesus had chosen Judas. Think about that. They continue to serve despite the fall of Judas. So then they voted for their preference in verse 26. And they gave forth their lots and the lot fell upon Matthias. And he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Again, they're showing order. There was no shouting match here. There was nobody saying, I don't think that's the right way to go. Somebody standing up and shaking their fist. They were united. They were united. Judas had been numbered with the other, with the others, verse 17. So it was done. They had their way, and the number 12 was complete. You know what's only left to be done now? This is what's left to be done. Receive the Holy Spirit and turn the world upside down. How many know Jesus Christ here this morning as your personal Savior? Say amen. amen. You know that the Holy Spirit lives within you. He's got a work for you. He's got something you want to do. I love seeing and watching what Rick puts on. The, not the wrestling so much. But I like the, I like the uh, other stuff. And talking about being a witness and testimony. An opportunity. Come out and be a part of this. Come out and be a part of this. What you trying to do is trying to encourage you. 
to grow in the Lord and be a witness and testimony that he'd have you to be. Why? There's a lot of lost people out there, folks. Aren't you glad that, that somehow someone came and was a witness to your family at some point in time, or maybe they, you were one individually? I'm so thankful. My mom had cancer. She went to the doctor. They had surgery, and it was successful. They removed the cancer. Got my folks thinking about eternity. You know what they did? They went on purpose after she was well enough to a church. They found this Baptist church. Went down there on a Sunday. Tuesday night, the pastor came out. I want to thank you for coming to church. Talked to my mom and dad. Led them both to the Lord that night. Praise God. That was Homer Quinlan. He's home with the Lord now. My goodness. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that Homer Quinlan gave his life to Jesus and said, I'll preach the gospel. I'll go where you have me go. And my mom and dad are home in glory now because of it. And as a direct result of that, I was brought up in a home where the Bible was the center of what we did. I watched as it changed my mom and dad's life. Changed it from the Friday night poker parties with the beer to a Friday night password party with coffee. Ugh. And they had a great time. I remember those things would go all night long. Just crazy. It was crazy. Kind of got off on a rabbit there. But the point is, we need to be out turning the world upside down. Just like the apostles. You need to turn your world upside down. You need to be known as, there goes Peter. He loves the Lord. And I'll tell you this. He says some things, I don't know if I agree with all of them, but he is genuine. How many of us are just hiding, hiding behind a shell? But they could not witness. You know why? They couldn't witness because they had not received the Holy Spirit. You realize that when you go out, you don't go out in your own power. You go out in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not by our words, it's by the Bible words. I'm going to ask everybody to bow your heads, close your eyes at this time. I'm going to ask you some questions. The apostles had a quest. They had a quest. The quest is a long or arduous search for something. I want you to try to identify this morning, what is your quest? What is my quest? What is your search for this morning? What goal have you placed in front of yourself that you're hoping to achieve? Is it to have a, a beautiful home? Is it to have a, 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 I don't know if you do cars, have an old car that you can work on? Uh, you know, ladies, I can't think what it might be for you. I, what is your goal? What is your quest? Does your quest have anything to do with building his kingdom? It should. Every believer's quest should include what I can do to build his kingdom. Do you find yourself in a quandary this morning? You're in a quandary. You're perplexed. You're uncertain over what to do because you're in a bad situation. Has that come as a result of your own choices? 
You know, we need to be careful, folks. Every decision we make should be prayerfully considered of how it's going to impact your walk with Christ. Because I need to make sure that I'm walking in his steps and following his statutes. Why? Because my ways and my choices can put me in a bad place. You'll have to live with that decision you make for the rest of your life. What's your quest this morning? Father, I ask that you'd meet with us. God, speak to hearts. Lord, draw us close to you. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.